Hello, and welcome to Serene Reflections, a podcast of Dharma Talks from the Wallawa Buddhist Temple. I am Rev. Clarissa Beattie, a Zen monk and Buddhist priest from the mountains of Northeast Oregon, where we practice contemplative meditation, the Chan of Bodhidharma, the Zen of Dogen, the Serene Reflection Meditation of Rev. Master G.U. Kennett. You are invited to let yourself grow naturally still, to let go of the world for a while. Join us in listening in sound, in listening in stillness, turning within to listen from the heart that seeks the way. Here at the temple, the days grow infinitesimally shorter, one by one. The sky clears to a piercing azure. The air crispens. Pines generously spread their golden needles in a thick carpet over the forest floor. as the flow grows gentle and low in the creek bed below, exposing smooth stones. This turning time of year lends itself to reflecting on transitions. This seasonal turn also brings the festival of Avalokiteshvara, the bodhisattva who embodies great compassion. When the ceremony hall is filled with a variety of images of Kanzeon or Kuan Yin, and we bow to each in turn. For true compassion appears everywhere and at all times, in whatever form is needed to help beings. Reflecting the true nature of each being as a moon reflected in water. So it is apt also to consider the essence of the water of the Spirit, great compassion, which permeates all things. Thus, let us contemplate together the compassionate aspect of what transitions teach, the truth of impermanence. Over a lifetime, the transitions we experience are rarely neat or absolute. Here I go about my life, thinking I am a constant 
and while I work away so diligently to get and keep things just the way I want them, much of life evolves unseen around me and within me. Time passes. My body slowly ages. I see beings come and go. What I have so taken for granted slips subtly from my unsuspecting grasp. Just as what I think of as these days are more than what I perceive them to be. Just as when these last days of summer are as much the first days of autumn, beginning as much as they are ending. The truth of impermanence need not lead to despair. The teaching of Anicca, the realization that all things change, is a deeply compassionate truth. When we open to fully realize the passing nature of all existence, we also open to entering the flow at the heart of being. We touch the all-permeating eternal now that does not change. Marking the 49th day since a beloved one's passing, the fleeting nature of all things comes home. In Buddhism, the period of seven weeks following physical death represents the period during which the consciousness of the newly dead one will complete the transition from life to death to rebirth. After seven weeks of dwelling formally with the recent immediacy of their passing, the 49th day ceremonially points out that the person as we knew them is really and truly gone from this life. This day has the function of reminding the living of impermanence and of our own spiritual work to be done while we are alive. The 49th day is a time for saying final farewells, for parting ways definitively for this lifetime turning to get on with our day-to-day -day business of living. Also, like the turning of the seasons at solstice or equinox, the 49th day is only a twinkling. Such transitory markers are like ocean buoys, arising and soon passing naturally in our wake. Our actual transition from one state to another is usually not so instantaneous, not so cut and dried. After all, 
Where is the actual point where my grief ends and the rest of life continues? It can't be nailed down. This is because by nature change isn't only temporal. Impermanence is a quality. It's the differentiated aspect of the nature of all being. It's beyond chronological time. Meanwhile, that which does not change eternally permeates all, even that which changes. Looking within, I realize that as with summer's transition into fall, these last days of formal grieving are also the first days of continuing on. And whatever the current changeable conditions of my surroundings and my inner workings, something endures through it all. It has endured since before I came into being and will continue long after I'm gone. Trying to pin down what changes and what doesn't. It's like asking where the edge of the cloud is. Or wondering just when I became middle-aged. The transition from one thing to another doesn't always have an obvious hinge, yet without a doubt it happens. When was the instant that I finally let go of my anger toward that person for good? Yet here, look, truly, I no longer harbor rancor. When exactly did my spiritual journey begin? And now I can't imagine not being on it. At what point did my perception of reality shift? Still, without question, I see things so very differently now than I did before. We often mark major life transitions with ceremonial, such as the welcoming of a new being or state of being, the making of a commitment, or the final taking leave. Such ceremonies often recognize what largely has already taken place. Sometimes they are the ritual acknowledgement of the potential for growth, or the wish for change, aspiration more than accomplishment. Most often, the actual ceremony is a mix of both. In one sense, ceremonial throws into relief something much more organic than its formality. In another sense, the couple's just not married until the formal pronouncement has been made. Or are they?
And when does a ceremony begin exactly? We find we cannot say. It's long before the appointed time when the scheduled event takes place. Is it when the thought dawns that we might be ripe for some transition? Is it at the moment of aspiration or its voicing? Is there actually any time when we're not in this deeper place of pure existence, even while the mundane holds our attention? Just what part of living isn't profoundly significant? There is always and ongoing the ceremony of daily life as we appear here and disappear there, wandering along the path. Around the time of the autumnal equinox, in Zen training temples, the three-month monastic term formally begins. The term will culminate eventually in early December with the week-long winter searching of the heart retreat that commemorates the Buddha's enlightenment. After a week of long days of formal meditation symbolizing Siddhartha's years of wholehearted search for an end to suffering, each year, on December 8th, the morning of his enlightenment is celebrated with joy. The Buddha was enlightened at dawn, after a long dark night of meditation face to face with himself. Just before sunrise, he looked up and saw the morning star, realizing that in all darkness there is light, as much as there is darkness in all light. For the Buddha, the instant of enlightenment likely was beyond his own imagining. That timeless, poised moment of transition was just the beginning of his many long years of practice in the way, decades of training together with his followers. Above all, the Buddha's realization opened him to connection with all beings. In the life which followed this initial opening, through thick and thin, mistakes and triumphs, he carried on opening as he went about as a living beacon, pointing out to others the way to liberation from suffering that we all can reach. For this way is a continuum. And where exactly does our opening begin? Does awakening happen only in an instant? Or is enlightenment entirely gradual? Whole schools of practice have been founded and endured for centuries, 
based on interpretations of this question. And still, neither of these two approaches alone is the whole of the moon. Sharply dividing practice and enlightenment into either instantaneous or gradual is like looking at the same moon from one of two opposite fixed sides in space. This limits you to seeing either the side of the moon in shadow or the side of the moon that is illuminated, or some combination of these opposites. In Zen Buddhist teaching, the moon stands for our own Buddha nature. To begin to comprehend the moon of our original nature in its three dimensions is to transcend opposites altogether and to open to the possibility of viewing that heavenly body from infinite points all at once. Then, adding the fourth dimension, remember that moon and observer are moving and changing through time as well as space, and that, in essence, there is no separation between subject and object of observation. There is only what is ever-flowing. Within the next few days, the Earth's satellite will appear above us, rising fully illuminated in the evening sky. If the sky is clear enough for my location. Then, too, I must remember to look. To make the effort to open my eyes, go outside, and look up into infinite space. Just as lest I forget, I must remember my purpose for living. Remember the foundation of my heart. And even when I'm not in an expansive state of mind, when my focus isn't especially kaleidoscopic, when I'm just being ordinary, the unexpected sight of the full moon can remind me of my potential. Just noticing the roundness of even a paper moon can recall the spherical nature of the real moon and the endless points around any globe, including the points deep within its core, from which to join in the flow. And even when we don't see the moon, or don't quite see its fullness, from wherever we happen to stand, the moon is always there. At what point does the moon appear? 
At what point does the dark moon become bright? At what pinpoint in time does morning become noon? The formal abstraction of the hours on the atomic clock on the wall or the time on our phone doesn't always align with the reality of my internal rhythm. The cat doesn't follow daylight savings time. The cat takes a nap every day around mid-morning when it feels right. The natural timekeeper of the cat's rumbling stomach sounds the alarm for food better than clockwork. According to the cat's perception of light and dark, and of what truly is. At times, we don't even notice that change is happening until it has already taken place, and looking back, it dawns on us that things are no longer as they were. We may have our ideas of what is taking place, our definition of the situation, and then come to realize that whatever is going on is actually something else entirely. So, how may I let myself be surprised and delighted? How may I let it all dawn on me? Let go of my previous plans and walk into the new. Eyes open, hands open, heart opening. Aren't we funny? We bipeds with our opposable thumbs that we think that we can go anywhere or hold on to anything or push anything away. It all flows infinitely past us and around us and through us, this fathomless coursing, and still we think we can catch and hold it, when in fact all this time with its 84,000 arms, everything that is has been enveloping us, sweeping us up into the vast cosmic dance. So... How to swim with this everything in its endless play. What is this state of flowing? It's the foundation of all things, the taproot and source of my very heart. It's what we try to encompass by calling it meditation or precepts.
when I nurture the turning within, quite simply I'm sweeping the pathway, clearing the way for the ease of movement, all movement, including my own, along the path of all existence, transcending all dimension space. Thus it is that when I can't seem to make time for meditation, it tends to come looking for me. With great compassion, it worms its way into my days, sometimes stealthily, sometimes with fanfare, until I find myself turning again to focus on what matters. Buddha nature will use anything at hand, impermanence, longing, desperation, humor, to get our attention. And this is the great compassion of the universe, that that which is, is everywhere even in all that changes, and it cannot be avoided. So, at this time of transition, as we let go of the past and let go of the future, as we begin this next three months leading up to the festival of the Buddha's enlightenment, may I remember to look and open toward the great compassion that bids me turn within, flowing together with all of existence, turning like the seasons change, naturally, turning with compassion to meet what arises now. Thank you for joining us in listening to Serene Reflections from the Heart That Seeks the Way. To learn more about this practice, including more about how to meditate, 
you are invited to visit our website at walawabuddhisttemple.org. Here, in the Kanzeon Shrine of our Meditation Hall, we offer the merit of our practice of serene reflection meditation to all beings, including you, wherever you may be.